and welcome back to just another murder cast. Yay jam. Yay jam. So Haley is out again this week. So I am Beth and with me I have Candy. Hey, happy to be here. Candy is the one that we always say thank you Candy because she um, is a sponsor on Patreon and, and we love Candy. So we're happy to have you uh, here. Thank you. I don't really have any comments this week other than Haley is going to be out for at least one more podcast and then we're going to try and get her back she's still helping spence recover so remember if you see flashing lights on the side of the road slow down stop move out of the way don't don't hit them let them go home to their family in one piece that car didn't get there by itself so somebody's got to be with it that's what i don't understand i mean like you saw it you see it there it just doesn't make any sense and i can't tell you how many times i've almost gotten hit on the side of the road and i know you've almost been hit on the side of the road uh, by the way, Candy, you want to tell them what you do for a living? How I'm a sheriff's me? deputy. Yeah, you are. So Candy used to work with me at the sheriff's office before I left and decided to be all paramedical. All right. Well, guys, this is a this is your warning. This is a murder podcast. We talk about murder. People get murdered in this podcast. We try to make it a little bit funny, but we don't want to make fun of, you know, the victim or the victim's family. Just... Just usually the person that's a jerk. They deserve it. They do deserve it. So, since this is Candy's first time being with us, we're going to skip the rock, paper, scissors. We're just going to go ahead and assume I run. Just admit it. I've never played it, so I don't know how. (laughs) I always win anyways. It's weird. Um, But since it is Candy's first time, I asked her if she wanted to go first or second, and she said second to make her a little bit more comfortable. So, I'm going to go ahead and uh, tell you about my story. You ready? By the way, I had a whole nother story planned, and when I realized that you were going to be on the podcast with me, I was like, I can't do this one, because she's going to know it. It was the one that I did last week with Jordan. Yes, I know that one really well. I was like, this is so stupid. Like, I don't know why I was so excited about it, so excited to tell you about it, and then, like, I finished typing it up, and I was like, I'm an idiot. Like, why would Katie not know about a murder from a deputy in the neighboring county? (laughs) Actually, when that happened... I was not working at the current location. I was working at another location mm-hmm. and actually worked with a deputy who worked with her part-time. Well, wow. right. So that's why I know it. Did you think I did okay? Like You did great. Did, did it justice? I you tried. Tried not to make anyone sound awful. But All right. So here we go. By the way, sorry about the dogs. They're super excited to see Candy today. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Teresa Mancamp. I don't know her last name. We're going to talk about Teresa, okay? I'm not even going to try and butcher it. Uh, she was born in 1962 in Pike County, Georgia, and she came from a well-known family. Her father was the chairman of the county commissioners for a long time, which, you know, my mother was a county commissioner. She was not a chairman, but so she was well-known in the community. She was really close to her father, whose name was Doug, She led a very sheltered life. She liked spending time with her family. She spent a lot of time with her dog. And she was in church every Sunday with her father. She graduated from high school in 1980. And after that, she went to Gordon State College. It was local, close to home. So she was able to stay with her family. It was there that she met Jimmy Buzz. I also don't know how to say his last name. So we're not going to do that one either. But his name is Buzz. We're going to call him Buzz. Buzz was born October 14th of 1948, and he is 14 years older than Teresa. He is the son of a retired judge, and he seemed to kind of want to be a longtime student. By the way, when I was looking this up, 
I found his dad's obituary. His dad was in the military. He was kind of good looking. But his son was going to be a lifetime student. His son was going to be a lifetime student. Didn't really want to work. We just want to go to school for all the years. Considering that he's 14 years older than Teresa, when she goes to college at a normal time, so like what, she'd be 18, and he'd be 32. Is that right? Yes. 32. 32. So younger than me, still in college. Which, don't get me wrong, you can go to college whenever you want to. You can be 80 and go back to college. But like staying in college. That's what it said. He'd been in college since he was 18. I'm pretty sure. And it was not like a university. We're not like getting super degrees here. I just don't like school that much. I don't either. I want to go learn what I want to learn, you know. But if you want me to do all this extra stuff, not into it. Classes are great. The work, not so much. Yeah. Like, just, you know, not into it. Not into it. It's fine. But the two, the two of them, they, they hit it off. They start dating in 1981. And they both like the really quiet life and seem to be, you know, a good, a good match. In fact, Buzz even proposes. But Teresa says no. She straight up was like, nah, not doing it. I don't Maybe wanna... when you get out of school in 30 years. Right. I don't want to get married. But they keep dating for the next 25 years. 25 years. Throughout this 25 years, Bud proposes, or Buzz proposes several times. And Teresa keeps telling him no. I feel like at some point, if I'm proposing and you're telling me no, I'm going to be like, okay, this is this is over. Maybe it's time to move on. Right. Maybe this is not working out for us because I want to get married and you don't want to marry me. We've been together for 25 years. It's a little ridiculous. Um, but, you know, she just always tells him no. She's not ready. She's not ready to get married <laughs> after, after 25, 25 years. years. She's just not ready. She wants to live with her parents. But Buzz loves her and will do whatever she wants him to do. Apparently. Right? Because I'm, I'm sorry, but no. Unless we're both on the same page that we don't want to get married. If you don't want to get married, you want to live together, you want to be together, that's fine. I have no problem with that. You can do what you want to do. But if I want to marry you and you keep telling me no, I'm going to be like, eh. why? <laughs> Tell me why. Because there's something and you're not telling me. Right. Are you already married? Right. What's going on? Are you already married? Like, can, can you get divorced? <laughs> like, are you not really who you say you are? Like, I'm confused. Witness protection. Right. But, you know, she, Buzz loves her. He's happy to have whatever she's willing to give him. Then in 2005, Teresa's mother gets diagnosed with cancer, which sucks. And apparently it's a pretty aggressive form of cancer. And she's devastated. Or Teresa's devastated, but Teresa's mom is devastated because she wants to see Teresa married. Wait another 25 years. Right? No. So, January 7th, 2006, Teresa has finally agreed to marry Buzz, and they get married. It's a small, private ceremony, and only their family can go. Maybe Buzz should have told her he was dying. Right? I'm dying, and I just want to get married. Hi! <laughs> like, can, can we do this? So, they get married, like, finally, 25 freaking years, you finally get married. And then after the wedding, Teresa's mom passes away. Oh. Yeah. Teresa and Buzz decide to build their dream house. Guess what it includes? It's kind of my dream house, too. A dog pen? Lots of dogs. Okay. So many close. dogs. You are on the right track. You're on the right track. So many dogs. So many dogs that Teresa becomes a stay-at-home dog mom. I could work with that. 
I mean, I think I would get a little bit too bored. Like, I enjoy my job. I like working at my job. I would like to be able to just work when I want to work. Not. But if you're a stay-at-home dog mom, you could leave during the day and not have to find a babysitter. I mean, that's true. That's true. But Buzz has to work. Somebody's got to work, right? He works at Caterpillar. He calls Teresa every day at 3.30. Is he still in school? <laughs> no. He's he's out of school now. He's he's decided to be a real man. He calls Teresa every day on his way home at 3.30 sharp, which reminds me of my dad. My dad gets off work at 5 o'clock. He calls my mom at 5 o'clock on the dot. You know, I go home to just my cat so they don't call me. But, <laughs> hey, if they did, I'd kind of worry. <laughs> but I'd be excited. My mom still makes me text her all yeah. this time. I haven't lived at home in over 20 years. I still have to text my mom when I get home from work. And that's true because when she got to my house, she said, I have to text my mom, let her know I'm going to be home late. Yeah. It's fine. And I, I don't live with her. I get so upset when my mom doesn't answer when I call her. So. Like, get, what more it. do you have to do than talk to me? <laughs> like, like, I am your pride and joy. Why would you not answer the phone so, for me? since my dad passed away, my niece lives with my mom. If my mom doesn't answer, I call my niece. <laughs> that's perfect. Perfect. Be like, um, I need to talk to my mother, please. What is more important than me? Exactly. If you didn't want to have kids, or if you didn't want to be, you know, committed, you should not have had kids. This is a lifetime commitment, Mom. It did not stop at 18. <laughs> no. You were with me forever. That is calls her every day at 3.30 sharp. On January 1st, January 1st, the 1st. But it's not January either. I'm way wrong here. It's July. You know, they both yeah. start with the J. One's a winter, one's summer. You know, I was close. I was close. Only seven months off. Both have a major holiday. They do. So, see? And they both have fireworks. It's just yes. a thing. I, I'm just, I was trying to make everyone just put the two together. It's fine. It's fine. So July 1st of 2009, around 4.30 p.m., Pike County 911 receives a phone call from Doug. Doug is Teresa's father. And he says, I just got a phone call from my daughter, and she's been assaulted and robbed, and I need someone at her house right now. So the deputies arrive on scene shortly after he places the call, because, you know, he's very well known after being a commissioner. So they, you know, boogie it over there. And when they arrive on scene, at the bottom of their driveway, they find Buzz in his car. He has a gunshot wound to the head and to the left side of his chest. But the daughter, they were going to check on the daughter. They're going to check on the daughter because she's been robbed and assaulted. And they find Buzz dead at the end of the driveway. But they don't see Teresa down there. So they continue up to the house. And there they find Teresa laying in the yard. She's alive, but she's waving her arms around and she's asking for help. Like, help me. You know, um, she tells them that two males, one black and one white, attacked her. They hit her in the head with the hammer. So they call EMS, which I'm sure EMS was called when they said that she was attacked. But, you know, they have to stage because we're second responders. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but they make the decision to fly her from the scene. So there's no trauma center near them. Which is something that I would do for, like, a kid or something. Yeah. You know, like, Morgan County would do it, depending on how bad the trauma is. And if she's been hit in the head with the hammer and passed out, I totally understand why 
they would call a helicopter and fly her. Because then they're not taking her two hours to the closest trauma center, you know? Yes. And also, it's close to a holiday weekend, so traffic could be horrible. Yeah. So, it makes total sense. But law enforcement stays on scene, of course, because they don't just leave when the victim is taken away. They don't just be like, okay, bye. Good crime here. We're done. Just go ahead and load this car up with this body, and uh, we're good. We're good. Um, So, they search the scene, and they find a rope and a hammer nearby. But they don't find a gun. They don't. They don't find any guns. They don't find the gun, and they don't find any shell casings. So they start to think that Buzz was killed with a revolver. Now, normally, because I'm not a law enforcement, I'd be like, "Oh, so they picked their shell casings up?" But apparently, these ones are super smart, and they're like, "It was a revolver." Yeah, because you know, revolvers keep the casings. Yeah, which I mean, it makes sense. They search the house. They don't find anyone inside, but they do find what looks like a hoarder house. So, like, there are boxes everywhere that aren't open. Like, I can't say that they're Amazon because I don't, I don't know that they were Amazon. But it's like she went shopping and had stuff in boxes that she just never opened. Um, and then there are newspapers everywhere. But no, um, you know, nothing weird. There's nobody in the house. Yeah, you hear my dogs. Um, there's no one in the house. So, they're not worried about, you know, the people mm-hmm. that attacked them still being there. They question their neighbors. Their neighbors say, you know what? We saw a white and a black male leaving the area in a white Trans Am. They were seen at the same time that the murder and the attack happened. And they were leaving in a high rate of speed. So it seems like, um, you know. That would be a clue. Yeah, that's a clue. So now we're on the look for a white Trans Am. Roadblocks are immediately set up all over the place. And it's gotten out to the community that this is what we're looking for. The community is all looking for this white Trans Am with a black male and a white male in it, right? That night, Teresa is released from the hospital, which is strange, right? She got life flighted after being hit in the head with a hammer. So we would think she has some serious injuries, right? Um, See ya. <laughs> right? No, she has uh, superficial injuries, and she leaves with a Band-Aid and some over-the-counter pain meds. Here's a little band-aid for your scratch on your head. Here's some Tylenol. Feel better soon. That I mean, like, I wrote surprising, right, for someone that was hit in the head <laughs> with a hammer. I mean, I'm thinking if you get hit in the head with a hammer, that's some damage. You know, like, we need, yeah. you're going to spend some time there, not be released the same night. It's 4.30 when you get attacked, you get life lighted. So we're thinking 5.30 maybe that you get there. Tests and everything are going to take longer than a little bit later that night. Stay for at least observation for a concussion or something. You would think so. I mean, anything. But nope, she gets released with the Band-Aid and some Tylenol. Law enforcement decide to ask Teresa to come in for an interview. Maybe she told them no, too. She had a habit of telling everyone no when they asked her things. No, no, I don't want to get married. No, okay. No, I don't want to stay at the hospital. I don't want to stay at the hospital, no. That sounds like my mom. My mom, like, bargains with them to get out of the hospital. I'm like, just stay. Just stay in the hospital. That's where you need to be. They don't want to keep you there just to hang out with you. Come on. But so, they asked for Teresa to come in for an interview, because, you know, that's normal. Instead of bringing a lawyer, I'm not saying that she had to bring a lawyer, but she brings her daddy. Which I kind of get. I have a feeling that I would bring my parents at least with me for like emotional support because my husband's been murdered and now I have to go in and have this interview. I get that. Plus the parents are well known. Right. 
Um, but since it's not a lawyer, they don't let their dad or her dad in the interview with her. But I can't, like, say anything bad about that because I'm pretty sure I would take somebody with me. I'm not going to be getting a lawyer because I haven't done anything to need a lawyer. Teresa starts telling him about the day. She says it's a normal day. She ran some errands during the day, and when she returned home, one of her dogs seemed to be acting a little bit strange. The dog seemed to think that something was wrong, and even after she put him in his cage, he continued growling and being very strange. Buzz called at 3.30 like he always did and said, you know, get ready, baby. We're going to go out for dinner. So Teresa gets dressed up and heads outside to wait for him. Around 4.30, or a little bit before 4.30, she hears three gunshots, but she doesn't think anything of it because it's the country. I mean, like at my parents' house, I wouldn't care how many gunshots I heard. I'd be like, cool. Yeah, I hear them all the time at my house, too. Target practice. No big deal. So, I can't say anything about that. Now, when I lived on the east side of Athens, if I heard gunshots... That's a little bit mm, different. Yeah. But where I live now... Yeah. Not not a big deal. Yeah. In Farmington, not a big deal. <laughs> gunshots, cool. Tannerite, cool. Like, it is what it is. But she goes outside to wait for him. She hears three gunshots. She doesn't think anything of it. But then someone puts something around her neck and is strangling her. She sees two males wearing a ski or wearing ski mask and they demand money from her. She said that one hits her in the head with the hammer and demands money again. And she tells them she doesn't know what money they want. She doesn't know what they're talking about. And they hit her several more times with the hammer and then tell her that they've already killed Buzz. But only hard enough to cause a band-aid wound. Yeah, only enough to cause a scratch. There's no... But I'm thinking, like, if I'm going to hit you with a hammer, I'm going to put a little bit of force into it. Like, it's going to hurt. Especially if I'm going to hit you several times. It's Yeah, you get hit several times, so much to the point that you are laying on the ground asking for help. I feel like I'm going to have more than a little scratch on my head. But it is what it is. That's what she had. She says the blackmail calls her by her name. He knows who she is. He says that Buzz owes them money, that Buzz had wanted to help them with their meth lab, and that they needed the money that he owed to them. She passes out because she's been hit with a hammer so many times, and when she wakes up, they're gone. They just left her there. So she calls her dad to report it. We don't call 911. We call her dad. But both of us have worked 911. How often does that happen? So many times, and I don't get it. Or... There was a strange person in my neighborhood. How long ago? Five hours ago. Right? Yesterday. Yesterday, someone was walking around my neighborhood. It was weird. I'm like, what do you want me to do about it now? I don't understand it. Call 911 when it happens, and call 911 instead of your mom, your dad, your brother, your aunt, your uncle. Just call 911, because I want to get the... I don't want to get the information. I don't work from 911 anymore. But they want to get the information from you. First-hand knowledge, what happened. Or at least you want people on route to you. Right? So. Like... You know the little in case of emergency contact and then you put your mom's name? Yes. And then there's the joke like in case of emergency contact 911, what's my mom going to do? Like that's yes. so true. In case of emergency. <laughs> and you would think it's just kids that do it. No. But it's not. No. You know, as a paramedic, I cannot tell you how many times I have had a grown man or a grown woman say, oh, I have to ask my wife. I have to ask my husband if I need to go to the hospital. Um, no, no, no. You need to tell me if you need to go to the hospital. What type of medical degree does he have? Right? Like, I don't understand. And the people that don't know what is wrong with them, they're like, what kind of medical problems do you have? Oh, I don't know. We'll have to ask my wife. What do you mean? It, I'm not asking for your wife's medical history. I would like yours, please. What do you yes. take medications for? I don't know. Whatever my wife gives me. <laughs> what is wrong with that? Like, you should know what you're putting in your body, sir. But okay. 
Um, you know, I regress. It's fine. She called her dad. Her dad calls 911. And uh, investigators ask her, you know, Teresa, how did how did Buzz get involved with these drug dealers? And she's like, I have no idea. I don't know why he would be involved with drug dealers. And investigators say, well, why would they kill Buzz but leave you alive? Like, why did they kill Buzz, come up and ask you for money, but they didn't kill you too? They didn't go through the house. They didn't do anything. They just asked you for money. So she says, I was hit in the head with a hammer several times. I had blood running down my face. From my scratch. See this band-aid? Right. Do you see my band-aid? It's a very traumatic injury. And they point out that her injuries don't really match up with her story. If you got hit in the head with the hammer, how come you only have a little scratch? Do they just like... And why not multiple scratches? Right? Just one little scratch. You know, something's not adding up here. You got hit with a hammer multiple times. You should be hurting. You should... At least two band-aids. Right? Come on. So when they say that, they tell they tell her that the injuries don't match her story. She shuts down and decides not to answer any more questions. She's done here. But, which is probably the smart move. Right. You should, probably should have done that from the beginning. <laughs> um, but she does decide to walk them through the attack. They videotape her walking through her yard, telling them everything that happened with the attack. Like, there's actual videotape. You could watch it. They notice she has no emotion through the entire thing. She doesn't seem scared. She doesn't seem upset. She's nothing. Just straight face like, this is what happened. And then he put the rope around my neck here. And then they hit me with the hammer here. And uh, she even tells investigators while she's on videotape that she asked her attackers to shoot her in the face and not the abdomen so that it would kill her right away with no emotion. I'm not scared. I just don't even know how to respond to that I'm not terrified for my life that these men knew me by name, know where I live, have killed my husband, hit me in the head with a hammer. Not scared. I'll I'll, I'll walk you through the whole thing. So they don't believe, investigators don't believe that Buzz had any involvement with drugs. They think that that's, that's a strange story. His phone was rarely used. In fact... It pretty much was only used to call Teresa on his way home from work. There are no unknown numbers to lead them to anyone involved with drugs. There are no unknown numbers to anyone for them to look up. And they don't have much to go on. So they focus on looking for the Trans Am. Because neighbors did see the Trans Am leaving the area. It's not like, you know, that that matches up with her story. But eventually... You know, not much to go on, but eventually they receive a call from Doug, Teresa's father. He asks them to come back to Teresa's house, and when they get there, he walks out with a 38 caliber revolver and hands it over to him. He says that this is Teresa's gun, I gave it to him, and he willingly gives them the gun to be tested, because... This was her father. Yeah, her dad. You know, he's thinking, I found the gun, I don't want y'all to think it's my daughter, here's the gun, test it. Because my sweet baby would never do anything she like would, that. She would never. She would just never. When Buzz and Teresa's friends are interviewed, because, you know, like, we're going to talk to everybody. We're going to figure out what happened. They find out that they didn't have um, such a happy marriage. That Teresa never wanted to get married, which we kind of figured out. I found that shocking. Years. I mean, it only took 25 years. Only 25 years for her and to And then say just yes. because the mom asked. Right. So she never wants to get married. She wants to stay at home with her daddy forever. 
and she only got married to make her mother happy, which we all knew. If it takes you 25 years to get married and you only do it because your mom has cancer, shame on you. Here's your son. Right? So the marriage hasn't been going well. The two sleep in separate rooms. And despite the fact that Teresa doesn't work, she spends money like it's going out of style. She wanted to shop so much that she eventually turned into the hoarder, not even opening the packages that she gets. She just buys it and leaves it in the house. I can't say much. I have two boxes sitting in my foyer right now that have not been opened. Candy, open your boxes. I swear to God, I will come clean your house out. One's cat food and they don't need it yet. I mean, like, I get that. Eventually, the box will be open. You're not going to have boxes upon boxes upon boxes of unopened stuff. And the other one's a gift for somebody else. So, so makes, it's going to them straight in the box. So. Makes total sense. But you, you got to open your boxes, people. You got to open your boxes. So, she's a hoarder. But Buzz is the only one working, right? So, where's she getting her money? Yeah. Buzz is working really hard to to support her her excessive spending, and her credit cards are maxed out from all of her spending. And bank records even show that Buzz withdrew money from his retirement to help pay for Teresa's credit card bills. So, so like, she's just spending money, and he's working hard and actively trying to help her pay off her credit card bills. Like, I can't say anything. I get it when credit card bills get high. They're there for a reason. Some people don't know how to handle them, and they get too high. I have no problem with that. But you could work. Go get a job and help your husband pay off your credit card bills. Like, I don't understand. But she's a stay-at-home dog mom. She had a job until she got married. She had a job while she lived with her parents. Taking care of the dogs is a job. No, she had a real job. She worked at State Farm. Oh. She She could still be working at State Farm. Can you imagine how much more money she would have to spend if she worked? Is State Farm the what-are-you-wearing commercial? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She sounds hideous. Yes. Ballistics come back on Teresa's weapon. I bet you can't guess. They matched. They match. It is the weapon that was used to kill Buzz. So July 31st of 2009, so 30 days after the murder, investigators call Doug and they say, hey, I have a warrant for your daughter's arrest. And he brings her up to the jail with no incident. One week after being arrested, Teresa's house magically burns down. With all the evidence. With all the evidence in it. Rumors around town. And unopened packages. And un- <laughs> She should have opened those damn packages. We could have sold that and made money. Yes. The rumor around town is that Doug burned it down in order to protect his daughter, but that's never proven. It's never proven that he did it. It just magically burned down, okay? With no one living in it because she was in jail. Teresa waives her right to a jury trial. And because her father is so well known in the area... The four judges in the area all recuse themselves from the trial. I get that. I mean, totally get that. Um, a judge from Coweta County, which is an hour away from Pike County, is brought in. So, you know, hopefully he doesn't know his dad, her, her dad, Teresa's dad. So the prosecution in their def- or in their their um, storyline, they say it's a straightforward murder. All the evidence points towards Teresa. Even the gun used to kill him was Teresa's gun. She wasn't happy being married. She wanted to live with her father. And she didn't have any love for Buzz and had no problem killing him. If she divorced Buzz, she would get nothing. But if she kills him, she's going to get his retirement savings. So, you know, obviously we're going to kill him. It's so much easier to kill someone than divorce. You know? The defense, they shock everyone when it's their turn. They admit that Teresa killed Buzz. Like, they just open admit to it. 
It was self-defense. Kind of. Kind of. That's the great part. Is it, it's it, always self-defense. It killed me to read this and to write it, but it, you're going to love this part, okay? It's. Um, she said that the day that it happened, she waited for him at the end of the driveway. She walks up to him, and she says, I have a surprise for you. And Buzz closes his eyes, and she shoots him twice. My surprise is... Welcome. <laughs> I have these two bullets for you. Welcome home. Welcome home. I have I have a gun and I'm going to shoot you. Welcome back. But she had good reason to kill him. Teresa says that Buzz had a rather unconventional sex life. That in the 20-something years that they have been together now, they have never had sex. Yeah. You know, I'm not often speechless, but... <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> they had never had sex. And that's the reason that Teresa never wanted to marry Buzz. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I probably wouldn't want to marry him either. I don't understand. But, you know, if I love you, I love you. And I don't really care. That's just a bonus. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Um, it's just a bonus. He didn't want to have sex with her. But guess what he did want to do? I'm scared to ask. He wanted to sniff her butt. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? He wanted to sniff her butt? We don't want to have sex, but I would like to smell your butt, please. <laughs> Pretty please. Can I smell it? Bend over. What? Bend Are we over. dogs? <laughs> Come on. Um, but not only that, they don't have sex, but not only that, Buzz drinks a lot. He's very abusive when he drinks, both physically and verbally. He's got to work up the courage to <laughs> sniff the butt. <laughs> to sniff her butt. Like, how do, you, how do you go about that? I just want to know. Like, I get how things progress towards sex. I totally get that. But how does it progress towards, I don't actually want to sleep with you if you could put your clothes back on, but I want to sniff your butt, please. It just reminds me of some of the things, like, I don't know if you've ever done dating apps. No. But you'll be chatting with someone, and then all of a sudden they just ask you this random off-the-wall question you're like okay end that conversation next yeah i have i'm very blessed that i have never been on a dating app and i have been married to my lovely husband who has never once asked to smell my butt (laughs) (laughs) and you know what that is great if that is what you want to do with your life i'm not i'm not saying you're weird but you're weird but you know like you do you you want to sniff someone's butt Maybe he watched the dog stick so much he just wondered. Right? You can sniff someone's butt as long as it's consensual. That's fine. You know, no means no, though. But either way, <laughs> but that's not it. That's not the only reason she had to kill him. Buzz was, he was abusive. He drank. He was physically and verbally abusive. And even though he seems like he's a great person when you see him out behind closed doors, he's just a monster to her. Teresa said that she called her dad and she asked her dad if she could divorce Buzz and move home. And I would like to know how that conversation went. Dad, he won't have sex with me. He only wants to smell my butt. Can I come home? But Doug tells her no and says that they're married. She can't get out of the marriage. And she needs to do whatever Buzz tells her to do. First of all, I'm not a parent. No. But I cannot imagine ever telling my child, oh, no, you have to stay in an abusive relationship. You cannot come home. Right? No. Like, so I'm not going to talk bad about the Catholics, but I know that they are very against divorce and want to work stuff out. But I don't believe that 
Buzz and Teresa were Catholic. And I don't feel like he would want her as close as they were because they were unreasonably close. I don't think that he would want her to stay in an abusive relationship. You can't get divorced. You can't move back home. But you can shoot your husband and I'll burn your house down. Yes. That's how we're going to play this game. Okay. Thanks, Teresa. Teresa's dad told her no. But Teresa decides that she's had enough. She's had enough of the abuse and the butt butt sniffing. sniffing. (laughs) And she is done. And she decides that Earl had to die. Except for his name is Buzz. But Buzz had to die. I can imagine what Haley would have said at this point. What? (laughs) Yeah. You got that right. She would. She'd be like, what? (laughs) The little lines on the computer would go all the way up. And I'd be like, oh, RIP headphone users. Yeah. I was afraid to scream. So, you know. I'm new to this. There are no reports anywhere of Buzz being abusive towards her. There have never been any bruises, any signs of abuse. Which I know a lot of times when people are physically abusive, they do it in places that you aren't going to see. They hide them. But they can't find anyone to say a bad word against Buzz. But did people even know he was a butt sniffer? You know, I don't know. And I feel bad because poor Buzz cannot defend defend himself and say he wasn't a butt sniffer. So I have no idea if he was actually a butt sniffer or if that was just what she decided to say. But come on. Like, it looks weird. Either way, people loved him. Nobody would say anything bad about him. You know, normally, I feel like Jordan and I have a super good relationship, but people have seen us get in arguments. Yes. So, I feel like at some point, if one of us were to get, to get murdered, they'd be like, well, if, if it was Jordan, they'd be like, well, Beth did it. And if it was me, they'd be like, well, Beth attacked him and he had to defend himself because everybody knows that I'm me. Because there's usually someone yes. that someone has confided in. Yes. There would be no. someone somewhere that would have heard of the physical, emotional abuse somewhere. But they can't find anyone. And Teresa can't tell anyone. Like, can't can't bring anyone forward. So, nobody will say anything except for they do get a psychiatrist that comes forward and says that Teresa suffers from battered spouse syndrome. And that is why she killed him. Which, battered spouse syndrome is a real thing. It's a form of PTSD. And usually it's where the woman fears for her life, fears for her friends, her family, her loved ones, and thinks that all the violence is their fault. Like, he beats me, but it's my fault. So did it start, supposedly, during the 25 years that they were dating and she was just saying no? It makes no sense to me. Because at that point... They were not married. You're not married. You can leave him. Your parents aren't forcing you to get married. Or did it all of a sudden start beating you as soon as you got married? Because I feel like that's a he was playing the long game if he was holding out that long. But, you know, I've I've known people who once they got married, they did totally change. Yeah, but 25 years. You would think his true self would have come out at some point. Right? 25 years I acted like Prince Charming just so that I could beat you. As soon as we get married. And, and I, sniff your butt. And sniff your butt. Yes. I mean, I, to- I totally get that people do change. But I feel like 25 years. That's a long time. Teresa is eventually found guilty. But she's found guilty of voluntary manslaughter. And she's only sentenced to 10 years in prison and 10 years probation. And she's given credit for her time served, which is two years. So she gets eight more years in jail. I 
found a rumor. So when I was researching this, Pike County is such a small little community that it's all like gossip boards and you can't get real like newspaper articles. And there's like a Pike County Inquisitor or something you have to pay for it. And I was not fixing to pay for it for this one story. But there are all these like little message boards and they were like, Teresa forged Bud's signature on a $30,000 check the day she killed him and cleaned out his bank account. And I'm like, well, it was their bank account. Because they, but you know, okay, cool. And then there was also saying that the judge was paid off by her father and gave her such a light sentence because he was paid off. Someone else said that it was a plea deal from Buzz's family because they just wanted to get this all over with. And I'm like, so was he paid off for the light sentence or was it a plea deal? And don't plea deals normally go faster than what the trial did? But it's fine. It's fine. So I was about to say, wasn't, didn't she go to trial? Yeah. So, but it wasn't a jury trial. It was a trial by judge. Okay. But still. And plea deals do happen sometimes in the middle of a trial. Yeah, but in but, the middle, not yeah. at the very end. Like, I mean, I guess that can happen at the very end, but it just seemed weird. So, a little bit more gossip, because we like the gossip on this show. In 2011, Teresa's cellmate claims that they had an intimate relationship while they were in prison. I'm like, hello, everybody has an intimate <laughs> relationship in prison. It's prison. But, yeah, so finally she got paid. <laughs> finally she got some. It was, it was her first time. She got deflowered, but it was fine. And I thought it was hilarious. Also... This was also on the Inquisitor thing. And they were like, this was my episode, or, or I was submitting this to Hustler. What's wrong with you? How dare you take the money from my pocket? And they were like, is there nothing else to report on in this town except for this? And I was like, oh, my gosh. This reminds me of, like, just some small town stuff. Yes. So, Doug's ter- or Doug, Teresa's dad, he ends up passing away in 2013. And on November 13th of 2018, Teresa is released from Pulaski State Prison. And she moves to Douglasville, Georgia to live. But she's already out. wonder if her cellmate moved with her. I, I should have asked. I should have asked. Um, Buzz is buried in the Greenwood Cemetery in Barnesville, Georgia. And that is my story. She kills her husband, gets 10 years, and she is already out living her life. You know, if I was going to kill someone, I think I would come up with a better... I'm not going to kill anyone. But if I was, I think I'd come up with a better story. I would think I would come up with a better story. But not only that, the whole, like, I killed him because he beat me thing. You... you That has no merit anymore. Because you could have came out and said that to begin with. And I would have felt sympathy for you. But the fact that you came up with a story that one white man and one black man... See, I'm not racist. There was one of each put a rope around my neck and strangled me and beat me in the head with the hammer but I can't commit to it enough to actually get hit in the head with the hammer so I'm just going to scratch my forehead a little bit and make myself bleed. So what I'm wondering is did she hit herself in the ham in the hammer? Did the- she hit herself in the head with a hammer? I- or were there really two other people there since they were seen by neighbors? You know what And I- they helped her. But okay, you know what my theory is? That when she went down and killed her husband, I have a theory that she saw the right tra- white Trans Am with the black and the white guy in it, shot her husband, and they heard the gunshots, and that's and why they, they were driving off. away. That makes sense. I'm not saying that they saw her murder him, but I have a feeling they may have heard it, 
and then kept going. And then obviously we're not going to say anything because the entire county is looking for us. So we're going to get out of Dodge. But she should have hit herself harder. She, she may have gotten away with it if she had hit herself harder. I feel like if hammer. she had committed to it and actually hit herself with the hammer, she could have gotten away with it. You don't have to beat yourself in the head. Like, hit yourself some other places. Like, what's a broken bone? And I want to know, does she have any strangulation marks around her neck? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure her only injury was the wound on her head. And she wasn't wound, committed to this. I mean, scratch. Like, be committed. Commit to your story. Let's, Watch more ID channel. Right. Let, let's not murder people, but if someone deserves to be murdered, commit to your story. She must not watch the ID channel. No, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right. So that, that is my murder. And you know what, Candy? Now I got to tell you about Dead Crow Defense. Have you heard of them? I have from your podcast. Yeah. Don't wind up on the murder cast. Get your stuff from deadcrowdefense.com. You can shop online at deadcrowdefense.com. They carry tasers, pepper spray, ass-beating batons. They have gas masks, body armor. They have t-shirts, hats, and even dad visors to match those dad bods out there. Which I saw a little joke today. It's like, it's not a dad bod, it's a father figure. (laughs) I was like, that is so funny. So all the orders ship out the very next day, and I can attest to that. I'm pretty sure, it says the next business day. I'm pretty sure mine still shipped out on the weekend. They ship fast. If you don't see what you need, you can do a custom order and just email them at sales at deadcrowdefense.com. And just for being our lovely listener, you get 10% off at checkout on all of your items when you use the code YAYJAM. Y-A-Y-G-A, not G, don't put a G in it, that'd be weird. Y-A-Y-J-A-M. Don't get murdered. Shop at deadcrowdefense.com. All right. And uh, are you ready to tell your story? Yes. I'm so excited. You kind of know a little bit about my story. Okay. Because I did text you about it and see if you wanted to do it. You and did. that's when you said, hey, why don't you come do it? Yes. So, I'm going to talk about Casey Woody. Okay. Casey was born October 17th, 1989. Okay. She lived in Greenbrier, Arkansas. And... She was a great kid, very close to her family and stuff. She was especially close to her mom. But when she was seven years old, her mother died in a freak car wreck. And when I say freak car wreck, two horses ran out in front of the car. They hit the horses. One of the horses came through the windshield and killed her mother. That sounds awful. I mean, that is what you call a freak accident. Yeah. How was the horse? Did it die? I'm assuming. I I'm assuming it died. I have not been able to find out about that. It's ridiculous, Candy. Do your research before coming on my podcast. Okay. Gosh. Well, her father thought that she was asleep in the back seat and was hoping that she didn't witness anything. Yeah. But she later revealed to, I believe it was an aunt, that she was awake and she saw the whole thing and she described the whole thing in detail. Gosh. Yeah. So after her mother's death, she was raised by her single father, who just happened to be a Greenbrier police officer. Okay. Um, as Casey got older, she attended Greenbrier Middle School with her best friends. Her best friends were Jessica and Samantha, where she was well-known, well-liked. She was just an all-around great kid. She was that one who, if there was an underdog in the crowd, she always invited them to be her friend and that sort of thing. A good person. Yes. 
Greenbrier is a very small town where everyone knew everyone and everyone knew everyone's business. And it was even once voted the safest town in Arkansas. Wow. So it was not uncommon for people in the town to just leave their doors unlocked. Okay. I can remember the town I grew up in. It was the same way as a teenager. I don't even remember us having locks on our doors. I stayed at home when my parents would go out of town by myself and the doors were unlocked. Yeah. And it was never... It's not a big deal. It was never a big deal, you know. So, Casey lived out in the country. She lived out in the country with her dad and her older brother. And she didn't have any friends that lived close by. Yeah. She was about 12 miles from Greenbrier School. And where she lived in the country, it was actually long distance for her friends to call her on the phone. Or for... Let me correct that. For her to call her friends on the phone. That's awful. And that was back before the time, you know, free long distance yes. and all that kind of stuff. It was back before, if you had a cell phone, you usually paid by the minute instead yes. of unlimited and text cell messages phone. were so expensive. You know, and this is in 2002 now. So, I don't even know, did we text in 2002? I don't yeah. remember texting yes. in 2002. I feel, like, I feel like that was right around the time that it came out, but it was like... But it was like 25 cents a text. Yes. Okay. Her dad didn't allow her to call her friends. But I mean, I can't blame them. they did have internet service. It was okay. dial-up because at this Everything time... Everything was. Yes. At this time, Wi-Fi, it existed from what my research showed, but it was not very popular. Yeah. And, you know, only the rich folks had it. She would get online and she would chat online with her friends. Yeah. And when she first started chatting online with her friends, it was just the people she knew and that sort of thing. And Casey's dad worked at night... Her brother was taking college classes and was often at the library and stuff. So, she was by herself all the time. Yeah. Um, until her brother got home from school. So, she getting online, talking to her friends, chatting. That was her social life. Yeah, gave she, her human contact. Exactly. Because she lived out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I used to get Kind of like you used I to. I used to get so mad because nobody's parents ever wanted to bring their kids to my house. So, like, if someone was going to spend the night with us... My parents would have to go get them. Well, and even your like, driveway's no. out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, our it driveway takes forever is so to... long. Well, not now. My parents' driveway is so long. I used to have to walk up that. I'd get so mad. All these other kids don't have to walk up a mile. But it's fine. So, so she would get online. She would chat with people and meet different people. Mm-hmm. Because eventually it grew to where she was not just talking to her school friends and stuff. She was getting online and meeting other people going into chat rooms yeah so around this Haley's gonna hate me because I said so (laughs) it's fine around the spring of 2002 now I've heard I've read different times of when this started some said spring some said summer some said early fall but anyway 2002 13 year old Casey was in a Christian chat room okay and this is where she met Scott 14 year old teenager from Georgia They began chatting and immediately hit it off. They had a lot in common, and they would often talk about school, their sports, their hobbies. They talked about Casey's hobby of singing in the choir and what a beautiful voice she had and playing the saxophone. So, Casey and Scott became boyfriend and girlfriend. Online boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, that gets me. How do you become boyfriend and girlfriend with someone you have never met? Okay, but they're 13 and 14. And these are not 13 and 14-year-olds these days. 
Well, that being said, when I was in college, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to date myself and say the year, but when I was in college, I had an RA whose boyfriend lived in Alaska. I should say fiance. Okay. She had never met him. How how do you get engaged with someone you never met? Like, how do you ask someone to... Because when I was in college, she was actually taking a week off from being an RA because he was flying in so she could finally meet her fiance. Okay, fiance is a little bit much. I understand, like, talking and getting to know people online. I'm too skeptical to do that because I feel like everyone would be catfishing me. Uh, And I don't like people anyways. I'm very antisocial, let's be honest. So, Well, I'm just kind of, I'm like, I don't get it. First of all, I'm not going to say I'm your girlfriend until I've met you. Right? You know. But they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and he would tell her things like, I love you. Hey, sweetie. Hey, baby. You've got such a beautiful voice. My life's complete with you. How great for them. Yes. But during this time, she also met David Fagan online, whose screen name was Jazzman. Jazzman? Jazzman. David, or Dave, as he liked to be called, was a 17-year-old surfer boy from California. So, for a small-town girl... She's 13. She's 13. He's 17. He's 17. That's nasty. Yes. And, but she's a small-town girl. He's this surfer dude from California. Yeah, I'm sure she thinks it's great. So, Casey and her friends thought he was so funny and so sweet because he would use words like groovy and far out. (laughs) Okay. Casey and her friends eventually start to talk to Dave on the phone because at this point, even her friends are talking to him. And Casey would often be talking to Dave at the same time that she was talking to Scott. So she would be talking to Dave on the phone, and she'd be talking to Scott on the computer. What a little hussy. Now, I'm assuming she could probably talk to both of them, because I can remember then, that time. Yeah, you had AOL Messenger. Yes. And and you could have multiple chats at the time. Yes, and that's how I talked to my friends. Yeah. Um, All of my friends, mostly at that time, were in Rome, Georgia, or at Barry College, or down... In Florida, so instead of spending money for a long-distance phone call, we would all get online and chat through AOL Instant Messenger. Okay, so you want to hear a funny story? I was always, it's not going to be that funny, it's funny to me. I was always younger than everyone else in my class because I was born in July and I went into school earlier. So when everyone else was learning how to drive or getting their driver's license, I had just gotten my learners and I was so excited to drive with my parents in the car and they would be driving. But either way... I had AOL Instant Messenger, and I wanted everyone to think I was a year older than I was, so, (laughs) so stupid. I made my screen name EKH, which was my initials, 713, because I was born in July, and I was 12 years old, but I wanted everyone to think I was 13. Like, why? Why? And then, you know, you kept that screen name for years. Yes. I'm not even going to tell you what my screen name was. It was nothing bad. Sorry about the bumping. That's my dog. Um, but I just want to tell you. <laughs> it actually relates to the career I'm in now. It had to do with law enforcement and stuff, but I didn't make it that far. Because <laughs> apparently to do the career I really wanted to do, you have to have a certain type of eyesight. Certain type of eyesight. You have to have a certain eyesight requirement. With it being uncorrected, and we all know I'm blind. Yes, you are. So, 
I couldn't go in and do it. But, you know, Casey's an honest person. Yeah. She even introduced Scott to Dave. Oh, hey, boyfriend, meet my other boyfriend. Yes, and they would talk on the phone. The boys would talk on the phone? Yes, they would talk on the phone with each other. Now, Casey at one point couldn't decide whether she was in love with Dave or Scott. So she did this little game where she wrote both of their names down and her name down and did this where she compared the letters to see the percentage of compatibility they are. Okay. I vaguely remember that game. I don't. I don't at all. I can't remember how it worked. Kind of like, you remember the MASH game we used to play where you yes. put three boys' names? I love the MASH. Yes. And you would have, like, two good ones and one bad one. Yes. And I'm like, that poor guy that's on the MASH list. <laughs> we don't like it. And it always seemed to end up that you I would always, get the bad one. Yeah. I'm going to live in a shack. Yes. I have 85 children. So she introduced, introduced, <laughs> introduced Scott and Dave to each other, and they would even talk on the phone. Casey and Dave would talk about Casey losing her mom and how traumatic it was. And she just felt like she could really confide in him. Yeah. Because at the same time, Dave was telling her all about an aunt that he has living in. Do you want to guess? Georgia. Arkansas. Oh, I should have guessed that. Why am I so stupid? So, and he was very, very close to this aunt. Okay. And she was in the hospital in a coma. Oh, poor aunt. Why do you think she's in a coma? Because he beat her. Because she was involved in a terrible car wreck. Oh, did a horse run out in front of her? I never heard whether or not a horse ran out in front of her. I bet a horse ran out in front of her. Maybe it was a llama. Oh, llama love. You know, we have llamas running around here. We did. We were out up on the news for that. Yes. <laughs> What are you famous for? The loose llama. Yes. Just look up llama drama. You do, You know, I show that to my kids in the fifth grade. Do that you? I did the chance from when I talk about how quickly things on the internet can go viral. Yes. I just, I say, look up Oconee County Llama. Yeah. And it is all over the news. All over it. So they find it really cool. Um, I have some friends and I that really like llamas. And I had a friend that I used to send pictures of llamas to. And I was, the other day, I was like, I'm going to send her a picture of the llama today. Just to like, out of nowhere, send her a picture. And when I Googled pictures of llamas, that one came up. Well, do you remember, were you working there when that happened? Yeah, I think so. Do you remember how it actually, like, went on the sidewalks and the crosswalks and stuff? (laughs) And I took the call and they were like, it's going up exit one. (laughs) The llama is exiting. Excuse me? Excuse me, what? The llama is following the laws of the road better than most drivers? Better than most drivers, yes. This, of course, caused caused Casey to feel sympathy for him since she had lost her mom in a car wreck, too. She could just really relate, and she felt bad for him. So let's fast forward to October of 2002. Okay. Greenbrier has a fall festival. Ooh. At Casey's school. And Casey, being the sweet kid she is, is named queen of her class. Look at They her had go. a whole ceremony. They put the little crown on her head. Everything. All of her friends were there, along with many community members, because they all wanted to see. It was just a popular event, and they all wanted to see Casey being crowned, because she really deserved it. Yeah. Shortly after this, Jessica was spending the night with Casey. Okay. And they were at home alone. 
they were chatting and stuff and they were talking to Dave on the phone when they hear someone in the house. Okay. They had some floorboards in the kitchen that every time someone would walk on them, they, they squeaked. They squeaked. Squeaky, squeaky. And they squeaked really, really bad. So they heard these floorboards squeaking and they tell Dave, I think someone's in my house. Yeah. And they, he asked them, are you home alone? Or he asked Casey. Because at this point, he didn't know Jessica was there. Mm-hmm. He asked Casey, he said, are you home alone? She tells him yes. And he says, oh, it's probably nothing. Are you home alone? Yes. And then it's nothing? Yes. Oh, okay. Shortly after this, the noise stops. Okay. So, they wait a while. While they're in their room and they're talking to David, they put a big dresser in front of the door in case it really is somebody. Because they hollered for her brother. And her brother had a friend that often stayed at the house. Yeah. Um, something said he just visited there a lot. Something said he actually lived there. Maybe it was one of those, like, yeah. he had a bad home life. Spent yeah. Spent a lot of time there. They called out for both of them and none of them answered. She knew her dad was working, so she knew it wouldn't be him. When they moved the dresser and finally went out in the hallway to check and search the house. Can I just no say, one was there. we should have never done that. We should have left the dresser there, waited for dad to get home, and then be like, oh, okay, dad, now that I know that it's you. Okay, now this is one of those cases when you don't necessarily have to call 911 first. Your dad is actually a police officer. Right? You could have actually called him. But no, who are you on the phone with? Dave, the 17-year-old. Surfer dude that was so groovy and far out. Yeah, perfect. He's who I so. want coming to my rescue. Well... Casey kind of, it was almost like she became addicted to talking a lot. And she was meeting so many people that her friends started to get concerned with all the people that she was talking to a lot. And telling her that she needed to be careful. Yeah. I mean. Because you do need to be careful Exactly. Because you don't really know who anyone is. Yeah. And I can't get off on my tangent because you know that's one of my. It's one of your things. One of my things. It's what you do. Yes. Not well. Yes, getting off on tangents is one thing to do well, too. But the <laughs> that, that's not what I meant. <laughs> you know, internet safety is one of my heart and soul topics. Yeah. So there's that. So again, so be safe on the internet. Yes. Come on. Oh, I could just get off on on a topic like crazy. And if they were seeing my hands right now, <laughs> well, you just definitely just hit the desk. So they definitely heard that. <laughs> so. All right, but Casey didn't she really think care. anything like, was to it, and she was like, she just kind of laughed them off. Nothing bad will ever happen to her. Well, one day, Casey was actually talking to her dad and mentioned Dave. Okay. And she mentioned that Dave had just turned 18. Okay. So, her dad gets kind of angry. As any father should. Yes, and was like, he's too old for you. You are not to be talking to him again. I do not want to find out that you're still talking to him. Yeah. Like, later on in life, what what is that? Five years? No. It's more than five years. Whoa. No. Five years. Five years is not no. a huge... It's not if a she huge, was 18 and he was yeah, 23 or whatever. But 18 but. and 13 or 18 and 14, that's a huge difference where you are in life. I think back to when I was 18 and to 13-year-olds, what do you have in common with them? What What would you talk about? Exactly. Like, why would you even want to talk you to know, them? You know, and 
my brother closest to my age is four years older than me. And he used to get so mad because I would f- try to follow him and his friends around. Yeah. And he didn't want us around. Because, hello, you're my annoying little sister. Get right? away. Like, what are we're not going to do the same things. Yes. We don't want to talk about the same things. Like, go away. But what do you think she told her dad when her dad said you can't talk to him anymore? You're so mean to me. Okay, dad. I understand. I'll but then she kept talking to him. to him. You guessed it. But... She continued to talk and talking to him in secret. And most of these conversations were over the phone. So now she's not just talking to these people online. She's actually giving them her home phone number. Yeah. Because remember, cell phones, every 13-year-old in that day did not have a cell phone. I did not have a thir- or cell phone when I was 13. I didn't have it. I got my first cell phone at 18. I got mine when I was 15 only because they got my brother one when he turned 16. I got one at 18 when I was getting ready to go off to college and I was going to be driving. Mm-hmm. But it had 25 minutes on it. Yeah, mine had the minutes. Like you had you had to use your minutes sparingly. And yep. my mom was not buying me another exactly. card with minutes. And then do you remember when we finally got free nights and weekends? Oh, yeah. I'll call you back after 8. <laughs> Or nine. It was nine o'clock. Yeah. I'll call you back on the after nine o'clock. Or, hey, let me call you back Saturday. Yeah. It was free. We're old. We are old. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. So, as I said, many of these conversations were over the internet. And once he even mentioned he was on his way to Arkansas. Because his aunt had suddenly taken a turn for the worse. Oh, man. And he needed to come see her. Yeah, his aunt. He needs to go see his aunt. Yeah. Because she's in a coma and and this is what he said. She's about to join your mama in heaven as an angel. What? Yes. By the way, if you hear snoring, it's Brody. (laughs) Well, I just try to knock the microphone over with my chin. So So now we're going to fast forward to December 2nd. Okay. Casey and Samantha, one of the best friends, got into a fight at school. Because Casey shows Samantha a picture of Scott, that Scott had mailed her. Okay. So, at this point, what does she also, does that also mean? He's mailed her a picture, so... He has her address. Exactly. Well, when Casey showed this picture to Samantha, Samantha was like, oh, he's hot. But Casey thought Samantha said he was fat. (laughs) Okay. So they got into this huge fight. I feel like that could be easy, easily cleared up for a normal human being. Well, you think he's fat? No, I think he's hot. Oh, me too. Well, on the stuff you've, I've read and I've watched, it says they asked the other friend what Samantha said. And Samantha said, well, she said he was hot. Yeah. But apparently that wasn't enough. <laughs> so and they were just looking for a reason to fight. Or Casey was just looking for a reason to fight. This caused an argument that continued into the next day. So sad. Once again, depending on which article you read. Some say they became friends again that afternoon. Some say the next day. So the next morning was December 3rd, 2002. Yeah. Remember that date. Samantha was really concerned about this fight that she was having with Casey. Yeah. Because... Casey was her best friend. They did everything together. Yeah. So, she went to the school counselor so that they could help them out 
with this fight. She, the school counselor could talk to them, talk to Casey, talk to Samantha, and just help them work it out. Yeah. The counselor talked to the friends, and soon they were bat best friends. It was like nothing had ever happened. But Samantha asked to speak to the counselor in private. Okay. And at this time, she confided into the counselor mm-hmm. that Casey had been online. She's been talking to all these guys and all these strangers online. Online. And she's concerned about her. She's being a good friend. she's talking to them on the phone. She is obviously giving them her address. Yeah. So they can find her. And she's starting to get suspicious of some of these guys. Okay. After all, who uses Far Out and Groovy? That's weird. Yeah, not not 17-year-olds. Apparently, at one point, they questioned him about his language because he used all of the Groovy, Far Out, Radical, those kind of things. And he said it was surfer talk in California. Okay. Like, in the 70s? Exactly. The counselor then calls Casey in and talks to her about what Samantha told her. Casey laughs it off and says, Oh, no, I'm not talking to people I don't know. I'm not giving out my info. I promise you I'm being safe. I promised my dad I would be safe. My dad knows what I'm doing. Counselor's like, Okay, well, just remember this talk and be safe. That really upset me when I heard it. Because my first thought was, Why didn't this counselor go and talk to a parent or talk Talk to to other friends. Talk to other people, figure out, just not take the person's word for it. But then you've also got to remember it's 2002 when the internet thing was just first really starting. Yeah, but... So... I still feel like she should have at least talked to her dad and been like, hey, I had a talk with Casey. This is what her friend said. Casey said no. And, you know... You know... Especially considering fact her dad's a police officer. Yeah. You know, he's, he sees the evil out there in the world. Yeah. What's up, Greenbrier? Because they were voted the safest. Yeah, they're safe. The safest Nothing bad is going to happen to them. The, counsel, the counselor warned her to stay safe online, and she left. Well, later that day, Casey starts talking to her friends about how she's just been feeling really weird and like maybe somebody's following her and that sort of thing. Okay, and we don't think it has anything to do with all the men that you're talking to online? Who knows? One story says that she actually said she was getting concerned about how weird David or Dave was acting. Yeah. But then other things say that she was just sensing that she didn't want to be alone that night. So she asked Samantha because she spent the night. Samantha said no. It was a school night. Her mom wouldn't allow it. She asked Jessica. Same thing. It's a school night. You know, back in the day, we could not have friends over on school nights. Yeah, no. And she asked a third friend. Third friend said the same thing. You can't come over. So she went home that night, and she was by herself. Her brother was at the library, Mm -hmm. and her dad was working night shift that night. Okay. While she was at home that night, she was on the phone with Dave. Of course. Who was upset because his aunt really was in bad shape this time. And this is when she... was going to go to heaven and meet Casey's mom and become best friends with Casey. Casey's mom. Yeah. And they were going to be angels together. How sweet. Could you not come up with a better story? Right? Like, be sympathetic towards me. You know. Also, I had to put my horse down. Um, 
Oh, another weird thing about that story. Yeah. Casey's mom was a big horse person and rode horses all the time and had horse figurines all over the house. So when she died, Casey no longer liked horses and I completely understand. Yep. She still decorated her room though completely with all of her mom's horses. So, but she doesn't like horses. But she doesn't like horses. I mean, it's but still there's sweet. that sentimental issue of the horses. Yeah. She was talking to Dave, who was upset about his aunt because his aunt was going to go to heaven that night to be with Casey's mom. Now it's one thing to say, "Hey, she's dying," stuff, but to say, "Hey, she's going she's to go be with your mom." Yeah. She has no other friends. She's going to go meet your mom during the same time. She was also talking to Scott online, and she was she told Scott that she was on the phone with Dave. And that she was trying to cheer him up and stuff. And she had Scott laughing and stuff. But she also told Scott about her visit to the counselor's office. Yeah. I'm going to read you a quote from their conversation. Okay. Casey. So guess what I got? A lecture. Scott. Ah, uh, I'm sorry, baby. Casey. Uh, on how you could be an 80-year-old rapist. LOL. Scott. LOL. Casey. Hee-hee. <laughs> and that the picture of you was your grandson. Scott. How many times have you gotten that one? Hee-hee. <laughs> Casey. Um, I lost count. Well, then she was like, do your parents know you talk to people you don't know? I was like, yeah. And she was like, well, be careful. And don't agree to meet them unless your mom or dad is with you. I was like, okay. And she was like, well, remember this talk? I was like, okay. Scott, uh-oh. Probably means she's going to talk to you again. Casey, I know. We went over a few safety rules with her and then I left. Okay. She seems to really have taken it to heart. Yes, and she's joking about him possibly not being who he really is and that he's an 80-year-old rapist. This hurts my heart. Yes. It hurts so because bad. Because kids just think, oh, nothing can ever happen to me. You know? I was the same way. But at the same time, I, I was the same way. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. And, but at the same time, like, I didn't, I didn't want to talk to people. Like, I wanted to talk to people, but I didn't want to tell them where I was. I didn't want to tell them about myself. I just want to, like... Well, I can remember going into chat rooms about my favorite singers or my soap operas. But I didn't really chat about personal stuff. You know, the ASL, age, sex, location? I would be like, hey, I'm a female and I'm this old. And that would be it. Like, I wouldn't even tell you I lived in Georgia. I didn't even say that when I was going into these chat rooms. Yeah. I was mostly trying to figure out what was happening on my soap operas that I missed that day. Yeah. You know, like, because, I have other things to talk yeah, about. Yeah, because, I mean, I can remember these soap operas from when I was, like, four or five years old because I would sit with my grandmother and watch the same soap opera. Yeah. So, I didn't really tell them about my life and stuff, you know? Yeah. First of all, my life is boring. It's not relevant to this story, <laughs> okay? Um, I just need to know what happened on my soap opera. Yes. I don't need you to know anything about You don't me. need to know how old I am. Well, the conversation between Casey and Scott ended abruptly at 941. Okay. 
Casey just quit talking. Scott kept sending messages asking her if she was okay and all that kind of stuff. And Casey would not answer. He was asking, are you mad at me, baby? And that kind of thing. Oh, my gosh. At 1140, her brother Tim comes home and cannot find Casey. Okay. He calls his dad and tells him he needs to come home. Yeah. Tim sees the open chat room with Scott and begins talking to him. And Scott says, Casey just suddenly stopped talking. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong. She just suddenly stopped talking. He also had her phone number and he had apparently tried calling her also. Okay. She didn't answer. Apparently she was just giving her number out there. Right. Yeah. When her dad gets home, he calls around to her friends who all say they have not seen her. They also notice that her jacket and shoes are still at the house, which is weird because it was very cold, very windy that night. Yeah, so she would take her yes. jacket and her shoes with it her. It was one of those nights that they were possibly expecting snow. Yeah. So you wouldn't go out barefooted. You wouldn't go out without your jacket. All that was missing was the pajamas she was wearing. Okay. Police are called and arrive around 3.40 a.m. One of the investigators noticed Casey's glasses are in the recliner, broken, and a bottle of chloroform is on the floor. Oh, my God. I mean, I knew it was coming because this is a murder podcast, but it sucks. Yes. The next day, so that was December 3rd, this is December 4th, the police interview Samantha and Jessica, and they tell the police about her boyfriend, Scott, and how Casey has given her his address, excuse me, given him her address. So, they think, hmm... Maybe we need to have a look into Scott. Yeah. Because he has her address. He has her phone number. That was the last person she was chatting with online. Yeah. So they look into Scott. And what do you think they find? That he's a 14-year-old boy. He is a 14-year-old boy. He does live in Georgia. And everything he's been telling her is true. So he's not a catfish. He's not a catfish, But no. guess who is? And he was at home at the time of the kidnapping. Because it's quite a drive from Georgia to Arkansas. A little bit. And I don't think he can drive yet. No, he's 14. So. They then tell the police about Dave. But they tell him they really don't suspect him. Because he's always seemed so nice when they talk to him on the phone. And they tell him Scott even talks to Dave. That's not suspicious. And Scott talks about what a great guy he is. And how he's just going through a rough time because his aunt is dying. This is just ridiculous. That aunt again. They tell him that his name is David Fagan from California and that he is 18. And then they all talk about, once again, how they've all been talking to him and having a sick aunt. At this point, police begin to search the area, hotels and motels, and they find a car with California tags at a local Motel 6 in Conway, Arkansas. That's not suspicious. No. But Motel 6 will keep the light on for you. Conway is approximately 15 miles from where Casey lived. Okay. The car belongs to a man registered under the name David Fuller. Ooh. Not Fagan Fuller. David Fuller. A 47-year-old man from California. The manager remembers him very, very well. Because he came in, and when he registered, he insisted that no one was to enter his room the whole time he was there. That's not weird. No, you know, no cleaning. Don't come no, in here. No entering my room for any reason. Now, I've been to hotels before and I've said, hey, I don't want room service. Don't come into my room. 
Um, but it's usually because maybe I have like my electronics or stuff there. But I do let them come in if they knock on the door and say, hey, would you like me to come out and change towels? I let them come in. I just don't want them there when I'm not there. Yeah. He also remembers him because he threw a big, big hissy fit. What do you think the hissy fit was over? Someone went in his room? No. Lack of internet service. (laughs) You have no internet, so I can't talk to my 13-year-old. They had internet service. He just didn't think it was good enough. First of all, no dollop service was ever good enough. No, it's not good enough. Come on. And this is the Motel 6 in 2002. Like, what are you expecting? (laughs) What do you want from us, sir? We're a hotel. We're a motel. But they'll keep the light on for him. Well, that's sweet of them, (laughs) but I need my internet. Gosh darn it. That is the right motel, right? Motel 6 will keep the light on for you. I have no idea. I, okay. I want to say it was Motel 8, but is there a Motel 8? I don't know. 6, 8, same thing. Yeah. But he did have to register his phone number when he booked the room. Police look at the phone number, and it is the same phone number that has been calling Casey. I would have never guessed that. They searched the room. They entered the room without his permission. They search the room and they find a computer and personal items in the name of David Fuller. The computer showed a chat history with Casey. And police were then able to find out that a rental van had been delivered to the motel for David. And that a credit card had been used to pay for the rental van. I'm getting palpitations. Like, I know what's coming. I knew it was coming at the beginning of the story. They look into this credit card to find the various charges. And they discover that a storage building... Had also been rented in David's name. And it had been being rented for a while. For a while? Yes. (sighs) So. (laughs) Buster! (laughs) Police swarmed the storage building. And the doors unlocked on the storage building. Or whatever you lift it. And as they start to lift the door. They hear a gunshot. (sighs) So, they back away. Yeah. And they call in the SWAT team. Because we want to go home alive. Exactly. So, they have the SWAT team arrive before they continue further entry. Upon entry, they find David sitting behind the van in one of the seats that he had removed from the van. So, he removed the two back seats. He rented a van and then proceeded to remove the two back seats. He had the seat... Sitting facing the van. I guess kind of like he was sitting in the seat watching a movie or something. Yeah. And just watching the van. With a self-inflicted gunshot to the head. Well, he deserved it. He deserved worst. That's what I was going to say. You know, you kind of say, well, you know, at least we don't have to deal with the trial. But at the same time, to me, it's the chicken's way out. It is. You know, face the consequences. Like, you did it. Exactly. You face your consequences. Face your consequences as I beat on the table. Gosh darn it. Inside the van, they find Casey with her hands and ankles tied to the van. She had she had also been shot and raped. Hmm. They also found chloroform and believe David kept Casey sedated from the time he kidnapped her until the time he killed her. Yeah. Why that's scary at the same time for the victim... I'm kind of, I kind of feel like at least 
if she was sedated and unconscious, she didn't know what was happening to her. That's my hope. I mean, I feel bad for her. I, I, I feel terrible for her, for her family. She brought it among herself. I hate to say that, but she did. She was warned. and But I get that she thinks that nothing can happen to her. Exactly. But I hope that she was not aware of what was happening. It's bad enough. Hopefully, she wasn't traumatized the entire time. Right? I'm going to go with that thought process. That he was, she was out the entire time. They believe she had actually been dead for a few hours. Mm. The van was found running when they entered the storage building. And first of all, that got me because I was thinking, why would you run a van in a closed storage building? Wouldn't that be like running a van in a garage? Yeah, was he trying to kill himself? And then they came in and he was like, oh, well. Well, they think what he would do is he would start the van up, let it warm up because this is December. It's in Arkansas. They're calling for snow. So maybe he was just waiting for warming it it up just enough and then he would turn it off. But they think he heard a media, the media for, forecast, the media news. That's not right either. <laughs> I'm just letting you go with it. I'm like the media forecast, the media news, the media weather, the media, the media, the report. Yes. That they were looking for him. Correct. And the media had given his name, possible locations and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And they believe as soon as he heard that the media knew who he was and that they were closing in on him, he ki- he killed Casey. Which kind of... I want to go on a rampage about the media. I, yeah. But I'm trying not to. I'll do it. I don't work at the sheriff's office anymore. I love the media. When they are good sources, the media can do some amazing things. In fact, one of the things that we learned... In fact, one of my earlier cases, remember, the media helped a lot yes. with that case. Where they reported what they were told to report. They didn't try to go out of the way. They knew that the sheriff's department, the law enforcement officers, they're keeping things from us, but there's a reason that they're keeping them. Exactly. They're not trying to be jerks. There is a reason they're not telling us these things. And they didn't try to report on those. And therefore, the case was saved or solved. It wasn't solved how we wanted it to be solved because Meredith ended up dead. But at the same time, imagine if they had just gone with things like how much worse things could yes. be. And there's a way to report the news without reporting too much. And hindsight's yeah. twenty twenty. But is. you kind of have to wonder if I understand that they had to get it out into the media that this is the guy that they're looking for. So that other people could be looking for him too. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can give too much information. And it makes you wonder, had he not heard this news report, would he have killed her so quick? I have a feeling like... But they, they would have still... Ha- regardless, they would have had to tell who he was and put an, am- an Amber Alert out. Because they yeah. did put an Amber Alert out. But it was Arkansas State. It's kind of like our Levi's call. Yeah. But it was the Arkansas Amber Alert. So I totally get that. Because thousands of people looking for someone is much better than 10 people looking yeah. for someone. But they said that the media really reported a whole lot of details. More than they probably yeah. should have. So. so, after they found Casey and they began an investigation today into David, they found he had recently been ar- arrested for exposing himself to a minor. His 
ex-wife had also filed a report stating that she had found him in the shower with her seven-year-old daughter, but they could never prove it. And they found evidence of multiple girls that he was grooming on the internet in much the same way as Casey and had even sent flowers to some of them. They found pictures of Casey and her friends Jessica and Samantha along with Jessica and Samantha's phone numbers and addresses. So like pictures that they sent him or pictures that he had been stalking them? Oh, just wait. Great. (coughs) They also found a map to Casey's house not weird. And evidence that he had been to Greenbrier at least two times prior to December 3rd. So he was the squeaky noise in the house. That's what they suspect. Yeah. And he had been stalking Casey and her friends. One of those times was the night of the fall festival when Casey was named Queen. Guess who was in the crowd watching? Stupid David. Correct. He... And as you mentioned, they believe he was the person in the house the night that Casey and Jessica were in the house by themselves. And that he possibly left when he realized Casey was not by herself. Mm. So, this is 2002. Yeah. Didn't have my... MySpace had not come up yet. Yeah. It was about to start, but it hadn't come up. There's no Facebook. There's no Facebook. There's no Instagram. There's no Snapchat. No. But he was still able to track these girls down. Well, one, because they gave him the information. But the other girls that he sent flowers to and stuff, they said the chat history shows that he actually asked them for their addresses, asked them where they lived and that kind of thing, and they would not tell him. But he, then, he still found them and sent flowers to them. So as hard as it was, or as easy as it was for him to find these kids then, yeah, and he drove from California to Arkansas at least three times yeah, to stalk them. Uh, Think of everything people put on the line, online these days and the kids. And you know, Snapchat has the filters that it, or has the thing, settings so you can just see yeah. every one of your friend's well, location. And every picture you send somebody has an embedding yeah. in it that shows your location. And every time they post somewhere with their school and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I actually had a kid tell me you mean I should tell my parents that I'm talking to a guy on Discord and that he told me not to tell my parents? Yeah, and yeah, you should tell your parents I looked that. at the teacher, the teacher was like, I'm handling this. So, I mean, I get it. I, I totally was one of those kids that thought nothing bad could happen to me. And I feel so bad because I knew this was coming and I did not have a lot of sympathy for Casey. But I do. I really yes. do. She just... She was a kid. She was a kid. She thought nothing bad could happen to her. She was at home. Yeah. And it ju- that's just terrible. And so, I remember, so I remember, you know, you had the, the group chats and stuff. And then you would have the other, like, private messages. And I would talk to people I didn't know. But I, I was never trying to, like, get to know them. It was just like, hey, let's talk about this. And I'll never forget. I've, I had, I remember I had a grown man send me a picture of him. It was not a dirty picture. But it was like a picture of him. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, no. And I can't, like, I am so skeptical about things anyways. You know I am. But I can't imagine just, like, anyone else talking to people and be like, hey, let's get to know. Let's be friends. Like, I don't want to be your friend. Well, even these video games. Yeah. That is a predator's honeypot. Yeah, because we become friends on there. 
And they're my friend. They're my friend. You know, like, I know them. You yes. don't know them. You know the person that they're trying to make you think they are. Exactly. And um, they know exactly how to get whatever information that they want. Yeah. Fortnite is one of the number one predator games for predators. I Like, I just don't. And I know so many kids who are playing that game. Yeah. Mm, mm, I just can't. I can't. I. So, you know, I used to be really good at tracking people. Yes. When I worked at the sheriff's office, yes. I was I was pretty good at it. I could track I could track somebody down. Um, don't want to toot my own horn, but like I was pretty good at it. So I have five my friends on my phone. I follow like I can find Jordan, I can find my mom, I can find my brother. I have some close friends like Haley. I can tell you where Haley is all the time. Um, but that's it. And so like it it is people that have to ask me to have my location or I have to tell them my location and it is people that I want them to know where I am exactly if something bad happens to me find me but like other than that I don't want people to know where I am I don't I can't I can't tell you I don't use snapchat I have snapchat other people snapchat me I don't write them back I don't snapchat them back but they have they have their location on, so you can see wherever they are. Do you know how many random people I get that add me on Snapchat? Oh yeah, and then you go block. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to be your friend. I got enough friends. That's not true. I want to be people's friends. I want to meet people, but I want it to be organically. Like, don't just come at me, bro. <laughs> you know. Like I'm. First of all, I'm an acquired taste as a friend. Anyways, let's be honest. I mean, you've known me for yes. a long time. I'm an acquired taste. Um, so if you come at me like, oh, we're great friends. I'm like, you're wrong. It just amazes me, though, that I guess, too, everybody thinks, oh, well, my child would know not to do this. No, your child does not know not to do it. And no, your child hasn't learned yet. My advice would be for all parents and this makes my students, when I talk to them, when I do internet safety, they get so mad at me. And they're like, please don't tell my mom that. Hey, install apps on your phone that record everything your child does. It yeah. sends you messages. Record, install apps on the computers that record every keystroke they make. Right? So you can see everything well, they're doing because they don't know. They are children. I had one student tell me one time, uh no, I don't want my parents knowing that. And I said, why not? What are you doing that you don't want your parents knowing? Yeah. And he's like, it's none of their business. I said, I'm sorry, sir. They made yeah. you. <laughs> They're your parents. They it made you. Your bus- their they business. made you or so. they took you into their home. If you were adopted, they took you into their home and they love and care exactly. for you. They feed you. They clothe you. They are your parents. And you're a kid. They're adult, an adult. Right? Like, so. no. It's No. No. You know, I'm pretty sorry. I kind of got off on a tangent because you know how passionate I am about internet safety. Well, I feel like it needs to be addressed. I mean, I feel like nowadays everyone's like, oh, everyone's safe on the internet because it's 2021. No, no. There are still ways to get around things. No, because it's 2021, it's so people much easier. are not safe. So much easier to find people. Don't believe me? Um, all I need is your email address and I will okay. find you. So, story, if we have time. Yeah, we have plenty of time. You know, I've always been a huge George Strait fan. Yes. So, I was on Facebook one time, and I was trying to find him. Is this how you got your restraining order? Yeah, (laughs) that restraining order he filed against me. I was on the internet on Facebook. I think it was Facebook. may have been MySpace, but I'm pretty sure it was Facebook. 
and I found his son. Yeah. Well, his son's page was pretty private. There were a few pictures, but his friends list wasn't private. So, I ended up finding George Strait's niece on Facebook. Okay. So, I went to her profile. Her profile was private, but her pictures were not private. Mm -hmm. I was able to track down their Thanksgiving dinner pictures with George Strait sitting there drinking a glass of milk at Thanksgiving dinner. And now Candy's getting served with the restraining order (laughs) as soon as she goes back to work. So, that just goes to show how easy it is. Do you have to validate your own TPO (laughs) or does someone else do that? I wonder if I could serve it on myself. (laughs) Be like, I I have been served. Thank you. Um, But that just goes to show how easy it is to find somebody. Yeah. Because I couldn't get what I wanted from their pages. So, I just went to their friends' pages. Yeah. And their friends had all kinds of information about them posted. Just I don't stalk him like that anymore. Anymore. I actually haven't even listened to his music lately. So, really? Yeah. I'm disappointed. I've been listening to podcasts. Podcasts are good. You should listen exactly. to podcasts. You know what podcast you should listen to? Just another murder cast. Yay jam. Yay jam. But if the family had shopped at Dead Crow Defense. If they had shopped at DeadCrowDefense.com, none of this would have ever happened. So make sure you shop at deadcardefense.com. Enter the code YAYJAM, which is Y-A-Y-G. No, I did it again! I don't know how to spell jam, guys. Y-A-Y-J-A-M. I swear I know how to say stand. Oh. Am I having a stroke? Am I having a stroke? <laughs> I think Jordan's cutting grass. Do you want me to go get him? Um, but yeah, so yay jam for 10% off. All orders are shipped out the next business day. And guys, if you don't see what you want, they'll do a custom order. They have ammo. They have everything. Just shop there. Tasers. Tasers. I have a taser. I don't know where my taser is. Um, I know what a taser feels like. I don't need to. I ha- like, they sent me one so I could tase Haley. And she's magically busy for the next three years. But it's going to happen. Like, I'm pretty sure after Spence gets better, I'm just going to, like, walk up one day and taser. Give her the choice between pepper spray and tasering. I don't want to pepper spray her, though, because you know I pepper spray myself. That's why if I had a dead over, I'd be tased again before I'd ever be pepper sprayed again. Yeah, I don't want to be pepper sprayed. It's not, not, it's not my jam. Yay jam. Yay jam. All right. Well, Candy, thank you so much for coming in with me. You're I really welcome. do this appreciate it. Um, I know that Haley appreciates it, too, because it's she doesn't have to worry about getting a murder ready and being here. She can spend some time. Um, taking care of her family, which is where she needs to be. Getting a murder ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, did you realize, like, this is not the simplest thing to put on? Like, we actually have to do research. We don't just show up in here and... Exactly. I texted you how many times saying, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready. Well, you did a good job. So, um, you come back anytime. But, guys, um, don't forget to su- subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You know, we like Apple Podcasts, but wherever you get them, just go ahead and subscribe. Give us a listen. Share it with your friends. Like, I've kind of shared it with all my friends now. So, like, all five of y'all are listening, and I need you to share it with your friends um, so we can get bigger. Um, so, please share it with our friends or share it with your friends. Leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to know, like, do you like it? Do you not like it? Is there something we can do better? Because, you know, like, we just kind of are winging it. I try to leave a review on Spotify, but I haven't figured out how to do a review on Spotify. You, I have no idea. So, I can tell you about Apple Podcast. I think I left one on Apple. I, 
I think you did. I think you were one of our podcasts. But also, you can like us on Facebook at Just Another MCast because Facebook will not let you put the word murder in there. They won't let you put anything anymore. No. So, that is what it is. Also, we have a website, guys. Um, I designed it, but really, Jordan did most of the work. So, if you go to justanothermurdercast.com, you can see some pictures. There's some videos of Haley up there. There's some pictures of us. You can learn a little bit about us. And you can even... Go on there and submit a case to us if you think that you have something that you think we should do. And, I mean, obviously, I do cases that people submit to me. I've done one from you, Candy. Mm-hmm. Done one from Rory. One from Jackie. I, I actually do them when people send them to me. As long as I can get the information. Or you just tell me, come do it yourself. Yeah, come do it yourself. I'm not doing your stupid case. You can do it yourself. <laughs> um, but, yeah, share. And uh, don't forget to like us or go over to, you know, like, if you feel like you need to have a little bit more of us, you can go over to patreon.com slash just another murder cast and uh, get some extra stuff. I mean, you can get a sticker. You can get a t-shirt, a mug, a poster. I don't know who wants a poster, but I had to put another one on there so you can get a poster. Um, and you can get bonus episodes. We've only done the one whole bonus episode, but I have another one that's supposed to go up from Haley. And uh, we're going to try to do more on there for you, Candy. Considering Thanks. that you're the only one that gets it. But, you know, if you if you want some extra extra stuff, just go on over to They Patreon. really should join because it's a really great extra one. Well, it is. It, I like, we work really hard. And so usually it's just one of us tell a story on there but i think we're gonna try and start doing more than just one extra one a month but we're we're getting we're getting we're working things out we got a lot of stuff coming up you do actually work for a living so yeah they expect me to be there for 24 hours at a time the darn jobs that expect you to show up huh all right well um thank you again for being here thank you it was fun uh we'll we'll talk to y'all next week bye bye